CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations. Welcome to CIO Talk Radio with your host, Sunjog All. All comments, views, and opinions expressed on this show are strictly those of the host, guests, and callers. Now, here's Sunjog All. Hello and uh, welcome to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. And as always, we invite to, uh, you to join the discussion on Twitter, hashtag CTRLive, and look for this show as hashtag talent and hashtag leadership. Today's topic is uh, leading the next generation of talent. And our guests for today's show are Philip Stevens, who is the Executive Vice President and CIO with Army and Air Force Exchange Service. How are you, Phil? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. Great. Great to have you. And we have Terry Pennington, who is the Deputy CIO with the City of Austin, Texas. Hi, Terry. How are you doing? We are doing just great here in Austin, Texas. Beautiful. So uh, regarding the topic today, so we have discussed talent-related challenges in our past shows. However, the angle that we would like to take today is to see, yes, we, we might inventory the differences, not truly the shortcomings, but differences in this new generation of talent. And instead of us trying to you know, fit a square peg in a round hole, what do we need to do as leaders and as organizations to make sure we harness the most out of this new breed of talent? That's the core. And to that, Terry, I'd like to start with the first question where we talk about demands that are being placed on organizations and correspondingly on your IT department. And they are more than ever, more complex, more in quantity and more in speed, if you will. If you had to maintain your sanity and also be able to have a sustainable organization, and if it was a private sector, then also profitability, what would you think those are which, in, which are kind of making us go crazy a little? Well, certainly uh, the city of Austin is probably like no other place in the city that uh, or in the country where you, your IT department is being asked to do more with less. I think we're also really looking at innovative solutions to business problems. Now, one of the problems that the city has is that we are essentially over 40 businesses, so that ability to really focus is really difficult for us. So we really need agile talent who can switch from figuring out how to uh, work on a flood early warning system to change over to traffic control. Now, are those the challenges that you have today? And assuming since you're a city, those challenges will remain. Are there any other more complex challenges that you foresee that you'll be facing? Well, budgets are always an issue, and the city of Austin is growing at an alarming rate, and, prof- and the ability to have uh, affordability here in Austin has been really on the council's mind. So anything that we can do to make Austin the most livable city is something that we really need to strive for. And one of the things as a support organization is to really partner up with the businesses in the city that then service those citizens. 
Now, Phil, coming to you, you have a totally different beast that you deal with, uh, and you, you, it's better coming from you in terms of what type of organization that you run. But compared to what you're dealing with today, what do you see changing or morphing in terms of complexity and scale, which would require you to, uh, or basically which is going to uh, pose even higher, more complex demands on your organization and your technology department? Yeah, that, that's uh, it's a definitely an interesting question. You know, on the one hand, I agree with Terry that some things absolutely will continue. Uh, the need to drive down operational costs so we can focus our investment on new solutions. That's That's been true for years. It's going to remain true. Um, we need to empower and accelerate uh, the business. And so IT has, has for uh, a long time been working on automating uh, business capabilities so that the, the business uh, employees could perform those functions themselves. That's going to continue. Let them uh, run the day-to-day operations. We'll work on building the future. So for IT, what that really means, uh, beyond the obvious, is that we need a bimodal approach. We need to be able to do uh, enterprise uh, resource Uh, planning projects with a a traditional large-scale project approach, and we need to be able to turn other projects around in a more agile uh, delivery method. And so that bimodal approach to IT is new for us, and I think uh, true perhaps for some other retailers. Now, when you do talk about the bimodal uh, approach here, uh, Phil, does that have a direct bearing on the kind of skills and competencies you might be looking at acquiring and or in, foreseeing that this is what, where you'll have to go? Absolutely. It, it does have a bearing on uh, skills. Uh, it, it has a bearing on our, our processes we have to design for it. Um, one of the things uh, that we have done in the last, uh, about, a, about a year ago, we created a new organization that included technical experts. So we pulled technical experts out of our vertical uh, vertically aligned development teams, put them into this pool of, of experts so that they could be shifted to uh, different projects that that arise, and so in in terms of the requirements on each developer, uh, it requires them to be technically deeper. It requires them to be strong at methodology so that they can be moved from one project to the next and then, in terms of the organization, it requires new roles and skills that we 've never really had or thought about before. For example, we have a resource manager position whose job it is to look at the uh, resource pool, the pool of, of experts, and the demand for upcoming projects and services, and make sure we've got the, the talent we need. So, uh, Terry, in your world, uh, since cities uh, functioning does not change, but you definitely like to continually improve it, which requires perhaps in some cases changing the processes, optimizing them, and maybe deploying newer and, and better technology. All of that can be in, in an ideal world, everyone that you have today could continue and they could be retrained, et cetera. But what do you see as a challenge in terms of being able to do that? Well, about 30% of our IT staff is eligible to retire in the next two years. The Austin market is competing with GM, Charles Schwab, Home Depot, Google, and IBM. So we are in a very difficult situation. We have limitations on on salaries and hiring practices. Um, On our advantages side is that we have the University of Texas nearby, we have Fort Hood nearby, um, and we have some great partnerships with 
the Austin Independent School District, as well as the Austin Community College, UT, St. Edward. So we're really trying to leverage the current sources to really increase the amount of talent that is in Austin and will stay in Austin. Certainly we're the live music capital of the world, so we're also trying to leverage that to bring more IT talent into town as well. The talent, the word talent has got, of course, three aspects to it. You've got skills, you've got competence, and also the mindset or those inherent traits which makes a talent relevant to an organization and or productive or more of a liability. So now let's talk about, since we basically set the foundation of, of what the challenges are, assuming a newer uh, breed of talent that we are inheriting now coming from colleges or, or even people who are in the workforce today, but they've just started working in the last five or seven years. Phil, when you look at that breed of talent, this next generation that we are talking about, what are some of the, the things which pop out? Well, you know, I, I think uh, on the one hand, um, they have a tremendous amount of enthusiasm. They've got uh, strong knowledge in many of the base skills uh, that, that apply in, in technology. And so uh, we've got a, a fantastic hu human uh, expertise foundation. Uh, but there are other things that they need to, uh, to learn over time. Uh, one of those is our, our business. Uh, we are a retailer. And uh, while retail is, in essence, simple, uh, there's a, a lot of complexity when you get into it. And so uh, we present to these folks the opportunity to learn uh, a lot of uh, business skill. I think then there are, uh, there are issues of scale. We are uh, about an $8 billion uh, retailer and things that might work at a much smaller scale just don't don't operate when you've got 3,000 locations around the world and, and eight billion dollars in scale to support and so those are some of the things uh, that that uh, folks joining the exchange will will get the opportunity to learn. Now, if you have those type of talent, uh, you know they are coming out and we are dealing with that next generation. Terry, coming to you. What do you think is so-called a boot camp they have to go through for them to be ready? Or would you say over a period of time, knowing that you have this new breed of talent coming in the next generation, you would slowly but surely start morphing your organization to make sure you are not fitting a square peg in a round hole? Because they're the future leaders, but you have to pave the path. You know, I think both Phil and I have uh, some advantages with that next generation in that they are so enthusiastic and they are kind of looking for a mission. And I think both of our organizations kind of have a mission. And, and I think one of the things that we need to do is to really tap into that enthusiasm and that desire to learn the business and, and show how you know, working for the city of Austin, you are helping citizens every day. You can just drive around town and see the effects of your work. And not everybody has that advantage. And I think one of the challenges that the city's going to have, you know, we're on, under municipal civil service, so we have some rules around the way we manage staff that um, we have to make sure that we are in alignment with. Um, but with that, we really need to make sure that we can be flexible. And I think, again, with Phil, we have the opportunity to have some amazing technology that you will not get access to in a lot of different places. 
And that's another advantage that we both share where you're just going to get some funky stuff and it's cool. And we can give you access to that. And I think it's going to help both our organizations long term. Now, you did say that it is funky and cool stuff. So that's great, uh, what I call as a recruitment strategy. But when they do come in, does that funky and cool deliver to the business demands? Yes. <laughs> yes, it does. I think the city, Austin has a, a mantra of keep Austin weird, and I think every city department embraces it. So we have some very unusual requests on how to satisfy citizen demands, and I think we really try to live up to that. And, Phil, in your world, of course, it's a serious business, right? So, so it's, it's a retail, but it is, or it, it is a form of, uh, yeah, it's a retail store of sorts uh, for your uh, people who are uh, serving the country. Now, exactly. if you bring the new breed and next generation, you try to make things cool and funky, do you think that would fly with the type of regimented approach you may be continuing till date in order to deliver to the demanding customer you have? That, that's a, a really interesting question, and, and the answer is yes. Uh, on the one hand, we absolutely do come with uh, – there's no good way to say it, so I'll just say baggage that, that comes with being part of, of the government, that, that comes with being a part of the Department of Defense. So we are in some ways hierarchical. That's true. Uh, we've been in business for 120 years, so there's, there's history and tradition. Um, and at the very same time, uh, we hired our first uh, civilian director in that 120-year history uh, a few years ago. Uh, the company is anxious for a change. Our, our board of directors, the military members who, who guide our operation, they are uh, excited for change. And frankly, we all accept and are excited about the fact that our customers want us to change. We're a retailer. We need to be the kind of omni-channel uh, retailer that can compete with the best out there. Let's take a quick break, listeners. Uh, we'll, we'll write back, and we should just talk about the goals and what we are trying to achieve and in that process, what all we are putting in place. So, yes, we spoke about something cool and funky, but now let's talk about the overall development of an individual so that as they grow through the ranks, they establish themselves as professionals without losing their core DNA, but all along, our organizational goals are met as well besides their own personal. So how do you make that magic happen? What all is involved? Let's explore that. Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. 
HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So... As an organization, of course, it's our duty as leaders to make sure we handle the organizational goals, but organization will not exist or thrive if the people working within are not meeting their own respective goals. So how do you make that magic happen with the, with, with the new next generation of talent who I'm not sure if we totally understand what their biases are, what their thought processes, and how is that changing? So maybe, Terry, starting with you, how, how do you understand them in the way, what what ticks them off and or what triggers interest? Do you think we have clarity there? Well, I think, you know, spending time with your staff and understanding their goals and aspirations and what makes them tick, that really hasn't changed. Um, I think, you know, when you start having generational differences, you have to spend more time at it and you have to be open to those possibilities. But, you know, um, you know, they call it work because, you know, sometimes it's just not fun. And there are things that have to get done, and we have to make, make sure that we're clear about those things. However, you know, in most organizations, there's an ability to tailor some of the work to the interests of whoever it is and to really look at their career path and really make sure that you're supporting their career goals. Now, this doesn't make their entire professional development our responsibility. They have a huge amount of that responsibility, but there's a lot of things that we can do to support them. I know at the city of Austin, we have a mentorship program that's in the IT department um, to help them understand the, the things that aren't normally talked about when moving up through the ranks. We also at the city have a lot of leadership programs to really help city staff understand what the city does because in, in general it's it's a lot different than maybe a state organization, a federal organization, or the private sector. So there's a lot of training. The city really spends a lot of time on retraining and, and understanding where the em- employees are going. It's very important to us to be a good employer. It is something that all management talks about. Um, and I know that's something that we take very seriously in the IT department as well. So, uh, Phil, what Terry mentioned was, of course, with you focus on the training and development, we are able to uh, develop them or at least make them a better fit for what the organization wants. Now, all along, the whole discussion on this next generation is because it seems like it's a different DNA. So if we understand that DNA and then we don't take that broad-stroked training and development, then that would perhaps serve them better. So do you think we have a better clarity? If I were to ask you, tell me three things which you feel you would do differently for this next generation of talent versus what you've been doing for the rest of them. What would those be? 
Uh, you, you know, I, th- I think that is a great question. First, I'll say I agree completely with, with Terry's point that uh, you've got to know the individuals and, and tailor the approach to, to the individual. I think an example of something that uh, that folks are more comfortable with today than perhaps uh, in the past is uh, social sharing of, of information. Uh, they they want to interact. They they want to have uh, a dialogue about it. Sometimes online, sometimes in uh, either uh, corporate or external social social media. So that I, I would say is a difference. Uh, another difference um, I, I would say, while no one really, in at least uh, in our organization, seems to enjoy classroom training, um, there does seem to be a different learning style between um, some folks from prior generations and and the folks joining the workforce today. For example. They seem to uh, more appreciate online learning, whereas some other folks prefer a more one-on-one uh, approach. So uh, that I, I would say is is another difference. And then uh, th- this is generational, though I, I think some of the, the folks coming into the workforce today may grow into a different approach. Uh, and that is many of our more senior employees, um, their financial plan is retirement. Uh, and as a as a government organization, um, that's that's part of the design of the structure. Uh, whereas for young folks today, it, they just they're not ready to think about retirement, and so their motivations have got to be different. When you that's look at, true. I know at, at the city, we have a really hard time getting people to that five-year mark, which is when you get vested. After that, we have something like a 99% uh, rate of. Uh, keeping an employee, but it's that first five years and how to get them to that point, how to keep them interested. And I know that's a big challenge that the city has. And so, Don, this is very interesting. You you mentioned this. Think about us as, say, Gen Xers or maybe Gen Y. But now the newer breed doesn't see longevity in a given company as a way to uh, grow themselves. They may stick around. But that's that's not a big deal for them, whereas we are saying our strategies are going to be to see how we can keep that talent. So if you can keep them for two years, but they are at the, the best of what they can be, that's that's an ROI on the investment. So So is that a bad thing for us to start opening up and say, okay, get someone, work that work with them to get them aligned for a bit, and then allow them to create value for the organization. And if they want to leave after two to three years, it is not a black mark on them or on us. It is just that they don't, they want change. They want change quicker. So Phil, do you think there's, there's a problem with that, that newer mindset or if you were to go that route? Well, I, I think you're, you're definitely right. Um, that, that's typical. And I, I think that's been true for a while. Folks earlier in their career, career are more dynamic in their, their planning and less focused on, on the long term. Um, and, and so uh, I don't know if it's a problem, but it's a reality. And I, I think we need to design for it. Um, one way, for example, I mentioned that, that we've designed for that is by creating uh, a combination of experts in a given business area, experts in a given system, and then folks with general technical expertise. And so uh, folks earlier in their career are going to tend to be those folks expert in a particular technology that get moved from one system to, to another. And so we can tolerate more turnover in that pool of experts than we can in the system experts, if that made sense. 
Sure. Now, uh, Terry, would you agree that most of the so-called skill-based or, or uh, specific technology or technical skill-based resources, they can be either identified from outside or the world is moving towards moving such work towards the lowest cost possible. And that could very well mean that work may not get done in-house. And more and more organizations are saying, if we were to sustain and have some meaningful work available for people and also be able to get talent for it, then we find people who have a more of a business mindset who happen to learn technology to deliver value. And do you see that that flavor of talent in this new generation? so that they would even want to come or they just say, I want to sit in my room and code, but then they are irrelevant in many organizations. And let's take City of Austin, but even outside in the bigger world. That's what's happening. That's the ecosystem we have. Well, I kind of see that we're moving towards kind of four different sort of talent areas where you have managed services or infrastructure as a service where these are things that just have to get done and they – you can easily contract for that. You can easily monitor that contract. You know, these are, you know, upgrades on routers and upgrades on servers and whatnot. You know, these are normal kinds of things that have to get done. The second is what you were talking about, that, that sheer talent in a particular area. I think, you know, it's very difficult for especially a government to be able to afford that kind of specialized talent. So we're going to have to use contracts for that and get statements of work and, and utilize our vendors for those types of talent. I think that the other thing you were talking about is more that business mindset. You know, who's going to be monitoring these contracts? They have to understand technology, but they also have to understand that business. They have to be able to enable that business. So that's more of that business relationship manager type of a role. And then there's this emergency support. You know, the city is constantly reacting to uh, football games and big storms, um, you know, we need people who can turn on a dime and get things done, and that's not something you easily contract for. Those, I think, are, are going to be the roles for that internal staff long term. They need to be agile. They need to be able to turn on a dime and solve the problem at hand because public safety is at risk. So, I mean, I think we've got those kind of four big roles kind of moving towards that future, and we're really trying to tailor and work with the current staff into those roles. That's great, Terry. So with those four roles defined, Phil, coming back to you, if you had to map the next generation of talent that we are seeing or even the the newer breed that you may be hiring right now, where do you think they would rise and shine more than the others so that you understand what type of roles, if provided or, or, or been assigned to these individuals who are in this next generation, that would be a great learning platform because they're not going to always remain there. They have to grow, but that's a great starting point for them, given their DNA. Right. You know, I, I, would, I would hate the thought that a person would uh, either get pigeonholed and not have a choice or make a choice and then to be stuck. And so I, I would love to be able to say that uh, employees could come in in any one of those four talent areas that, that Terry talked about and have a career. 
Now, if, if a person is looking strictly at marketability, then I, I think focusing on a particular technology and being a, a, a technology expert as opposed to a, for example, retail business systems expert, I think that prob- probably makes more sense for them, and, and that should be their choice. Uh, that's their, their door in. Um, but w- we need folks with all sorts of skill sets, and I think we should offer folks the chance to grow. Just because you come in as a, as a technical expert doesn't mean you shouldn't become a retail system systems expert, and ultimately perhaps even a, a line of business manager. And, and I should say, I should, I should compliment the organization and say, I think we do a fantastic job of moving folks around the company from IT to merchandising, uh, from logistics to IT. And so we, we allow folks to move and grow. And I, I think that's a real positive statement about the team and, and the company. Now, when we talk about the the gaps in people's readiness, if you will. So if, if you're inducting someone in, you I'm sure you're going to provide them the required amount of training. But then at the same time, when I end up as, and I'm sure you would, do, would be doing too, talk to a, a few leaders, they would just roll their eyes saying, oh my God, this is a different beast altogether. And, and that could be more because they, they are fitting in with the rest of the world saying so. But truly, If you were to take an objective view, not because you have always done it that way, but an objective view, where would you say they could be trained better or differently in order for them to be ready for their own journey? Terry. Well, I think one of the things I've been really impressed with this next generation goes back to that mission. I want to be valuable. I want to see my work do something, do something real. And I think that emergency support is something that I think that it, it plays on their ability to learn quickly, to, to be able to go from one project immediately to another project. And it also goes to that immediate value proposition. You know, you can see the people that you're helping. You can help them get what they need and move on to a more productive life. So I think, you know, that emergency support is really kind of handy there. Um, But I also can see them moving really into any one of these. And like what Phil said, you know, there's no reason why, you you know, maybe you start out with, you know, a, a specific talent in one area and then you start to move into a more of a business setting or vice versa. I, I see no limits on this generation. So in a way, what we are discussing here could very well be our own paranoia or reservation on how a breed which is different than us, the generation that's different than us, just because they think differently, the way they talk and or emote, uh, that's different. That's a cause of concern because it's a change. Is that what would you say, Terry? Well, I guess I just I hate putting limits on really any generation. Um, I I think people are amazing. They just, in my view, maybe I'm just a glass half full kind of person. But you know, when you have somebody who really wants to contribute, there's just so many ways to do that. And we need the talent. And I think it's up to us in organizations to figure out how to get the best out of people so that we can bring that value back to our citizens, back to our customers. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be back. And now let's look at those specific traits. And we are definitely working with the right mindset that we want to help them harness their potential to the fullest. Some of the key areas, they are ambitious, yet they want work-life balance. They learn quickly, 
and want independence, yet they are in many cases needing more supervision. So if there are some different ways of thinking and there are some conflicting personality styles and there's not, it could be an opportunity versus being seen as a challenge. So how do we go about taking those newer uh, flavors of characteristics that you're finding in the next generation and make the most of them? What are the possibilities? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sun Joke All. So, they are ambitious, and uh, Phil, this is for you, and they, of course, are also looking for work-life balance, but not a bad thing. They learn quickly, very independent. At the same time, they have been seen to require to be requiring more supervision. Now, they have these challenges. At the same time, they have strengths. What we are to do, I would almost wear the hat of a parent to see what we can do to help them maximize their own potential, be even though whatever the, the characteristics that they may possess. And, and this is coming out of statistics, some research, etc., these, these differences. Right. So, you know, I, I think something Terry has been saying is, is fantastic, and that is a, a focus on mission. I'll, I'll take a, a spin off of that and say uh, I think one of the most important platforms that a, a leader can set is a, uh, a vision, an exciting, big vision. Uh, and if, if folks see that exciting, big uh, vision, and if they understand the general role they play, then they can create exciting opportunities within that for their own growth potential, and their, their managers and supervisors uh, can help them to, uh, to achieve that. So from a, a senior leadership uh, perspective, I think that's the, f- the first and most important thing we can do. Uh, the, the next thing I would add to that is encouraging folks to think beyond uh, th- their particular component 
to the entire solution uh, end to end, and especially, and uh, you know, we're a retailer, so I'll say, especially out there on the website or on the the sales floor, um, to to think about it, to solve for it, to own it. And that really opens up the creative opportunity and the, the growth opportunity for the individuals within the corporate uh, mission. So those are a, f- a few of the things I think we as leaders can do. And so to ensure what you're essentially saying is that if we lay out the mission, then they will just follow as the Pied Piper. No, uh, no, I, I would say it differently. I, I would say if if folks, as, as Terry said, I think really well, they want to be a part of something. They want to be a part of something important and something successful. And so if we can put out the broad outlines, that leaves, that leaves them significant room to create and innovate for any particular part of that, but with an understanding and a responsibility and a sense of ownership for the overall result. So uh, the, I, I just would be a little anxious about Pied Piper. I don't want simply uh, followers. You know, I want folks who are, who are growing individually and, and on the path to become future leaders. Now, Terry, when we speak about this mission and laying this out, do you think as a leader, do you think any differently when you're thinking of leading this new generation and or preparing them for the future versus the other people who you've been working with all along? Well, I think everybody has you know, different strengths and weaknesses. And I think the best thing we can do for everyone is make sure that people understand what, what the goal is, what, what needs to be done. I'm going to reiterate what, what Phil said here, that you know, it doesn't have to be done the same way. It really doesn't. As long as we're getting to the same place that we need to, you know, the citizens of Austin, you know, they still need to get permits and they still need to drive into work and not sit in traffic. So if, if, if one understands those big goals, it is perfectly fine to find different ways of solving that problem, and, and I'm good with that. I think, you know, where they come in the organization, everybody brings a different skill set. You know, there's a lot of things that this generation does with mo- mobility that, you know, say um, the baby boomers wouldn't even think of. And, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. But you know something? You know, that combination of talents is where you really get that innovation. You know, it can't be – it has to be sustainable. I'll go back to, again, what Phil said about, you know, uh, you know there's a scope issue going on here. Certainly with his organiza- organization and with mine, you know, I'm not talking about five different people here. We're talking about almost a million people. So, you know, you have to be able to scale. And, you know, you get that innovative idea plus – you know, somebody who has more experience may be able to, to help with the scaling piece. So I, I think there's strengths and weaknesses all over the organization, and, and it's up to us really to be able to, to bring them together and, and find that path forward. Bimodal is a term that you use, Phil, in the beginning. And that, on one hand, means predictability. On the other hand, means innovation. In the way, predictability will have to be maintained even going forward and or innovation has to be brought about. Do you think that is to change or the way it has to be handled and keeping in mind that this new generation will be the one handling it? What would be your, uh, I would not call it hunch, but more uh, as a clear one, what do you see happening new and different in that regard when somebody has to run a bimodal IT and new people are doing it? Right. You know, I, I think um, 
it, it's an exciting slant to uh, to an important question. Um, becoming bimodal, I, I will speak for a lot of my uh, friends and, and peers in the retail industry. Uh, a lot of us are coming to grips with this uh, issue of bimodal IT. Um, we know how to run uh, projects really well um, we, uh, in, in, a, in a somewhat uh, mechanical and predictable way. Um, what we, we've all been a little less good at, and what I think we're all as an industry getting better at, retail uh, technologists, is is moving with a, a more agile approach, um, both uh, agile trademark and, and agile in the in the general sense. Um, so, you know, I think we're coming along there. So, your your slant to the question: um, What does that mean to uh, folks entering the workforce today? Well, I, I think. A lot of them uh, enjoy the idea of being in the fast-moving part of the company, uh, and that's great. Uh, I, I do, too. Um, but I think there's an importance to seeing the operational side of, of the business uh, that needs to be run a bit more mechanically and, and predictably. I think there's, there's an importance to being in uh, large-scale enterprise uh, programs. We're replacing four collections systems with, with a single new system. You need to run that in a very uh, program-driven, project-driven, uh, predictable way. Uh, and I think there's value to experiencing that. And so I would encourage uh, folks entering the technology career field today to, um, sure, uh, be a part of this agile development effort for a, a six-month deployment of important new features to the website, but then also look for your next opportunity uh, to be part of this uh, enterprise project deployment so you can see large-scale project management. And then at your next project after that, look for the opportunity to transition into large-scale operations. That's the way to prepare yourself for lots of, of possible futures and, and for growth. And if I can add something to that, I completely agree with that approach. Um, security is just so huge, and it's not just done by security professionals anymore. I would also encourage some sort of education or taking the opportunity to learn about cybersecurity in whatever place you are, whether it's deploying a new system or in operational support and continuity, that, that having those security credentials and experience is just essential going forward. Now, we did talk about the cool and funky, remember Terry in the beginning? If the, the operational side or the things which are the to, to maintain a predictable operation is not cool and funky, what would be your pitch to this new generation to take that on? Because there will be reluctance, right? Even I would not want to go there if, if given a choice. Well, I, I think there's some, op some opportunity. You know, so let's just say what we're talking about. I mean, you're talking about like a help desk. You're talking about a desktop support or something like that. Is that correct? I mean, suppose you have to run an operation in a financial services firm and you've got a data sure. center which simply cannot go down. So you're not automating anything, but you are making sure the, the, the IT should keep the business humming. That humming part is where you do not have cool and funky things happening because you're not changing, you're maintaining stability. And yeah, that is not always the most exciting. Is that you know you, you know even a data center can't stay stagnant. I mean, I think right now you're rebuilding your data center every three years, and you're doing it piece by piece by piece. And you have to make sure that you have that redundancy in there so that you can't that you don't have that downtime. And there's a lot of innovative ways to do that. 
So I, I, I guess I don't agree that all operations is, is devoid of innovation. There's ways to take what you're currently doing and really look at it from a different angle and see, okay, what, what can I do here to really take this to the next level? You know, being stagnant in any, in any situation, it's just not appropriate anymore. You just can't maintain the, the business that way. So you do have to keep pushing that boundary in, in every section. I mean, certainly in projects, but also in keeping everything running and humming. How are you going to get to, you know, upgrade to the next version? How are you going to make the patches? What desktop software is going to be appropriate? Hey, well, what about the mobile software? How does that integrate in? So there's just really a lot of opportunity to really get those puzzles out there and get that next generation thinking about those puzzles. Disaster recovery, business continuity, making sure that you are able to very quickly react to these situations so that business does not suffer. Phil, if you look at this next generation and their traits and the way of thinking, how would you prepare them for such acts? Or, or, or it could be an act of God or natural or man-made disaster, but they have to still have that mindset. Yeah, that's uh, another fantastic question. I, I, I think uh, one of the ways to engage and excite them, exactly as, as Terry just said, um, cloud is an important and, and uh, uh, good buzzword to be, to be talking about these days. Virtualization, it, the technology is a number of years old now, but uh, it, it is still in many ways impacting the, uh, the ma- mainstream IT uh, departments and those those technologies uh, uh, are exciting and new, and they 're also very very relevant to uh, disaster recovery and business continuity and so what i what I would tell uh, young folks today there there are important challenges literally business critical challenges such as business continuity and disaster recovery uh, that can be addressed through exciting new technologies uh, in, including for example virtualization and and cloud. And so I, I would uh, encourage them to be engaged as technical experts in those uh, subject areas while taking that opportunity to work on, for example, business continuity to learn the business because the, the person leading that business continuity effort needs to understand what business it is uh, that needs to be continued and what the most important parts of it are to focus on. And if I can only restore one thing first, what is it that I should restore first? And so that, I think, would be an example of a great project for a technologist, say a virtualization expert, uh, to use as a, uh, a way to join the team and then learn about the entire corporation and, and all, all the systems it takes to run it. Would they have any concerns given where they come from, not just because they have less experience, but the type of work it is? Uh, you know, I, I do think, uh, again, the, the leadership role in something like a business continuity effort is probably going to be with someone who, who knows a lot about the business that, that is being uh, recovered or, or continued. Uh, and so I, uh, I, I do think uh, the role of a person earlier in their career is, is going to be a bit different on this team, but uh, it doesn't make it any less important. And it doesn't, frankly, it, it means uh, it's, it's an even bigger growth opportunity. Let's take a quick break, listeners. We'll be right back. Uh, Talk about leadership. Now, leadership, two flavors. One is what type of leader would they be willing to follow? 
given their own preferences and and who do they look up to or what type of individual they would like to look up to. Another is that what would it take for them to go on that leadership path because they are the future leaders. What are we going to do in terms of skill development and mindset development so that they are able to take the baton and move the world forward? Please stay tuned, listeners. We'll be right back. Bosch Software Innovations is proud to sponsor this program. Visit www.bosch-si.com forward slash connected manufacturing to find out how Bosch can help you improve your operational performance and become a manufacturing industry leader in a connected world. Change the way you predict, manage, and produce outcomes. Bosch Connected Manufacturing. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Tap into our expertise, innovation, and services to bring your most important workloads to the cloud. HP is proud to sponsor this program. Find out how the HP as a service solution for SAP HANA can help you gain instant, impactful business results without capital investment by logging on to hp.com. Transform information into intelligence and a competitive advantage with a full spectrum of SAP HANA products and services from HP, a global SAP hosting partner. You are listening to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjog All. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. If you have a question or comment, call toll-free at 1-866-472-5790. That number again is 1-866-472-5790. Now, back to the show. Here's Sunjog All. Welcome back. So, uh, a leader for the future is this new generation but before they become they have to also be shown a role model and and those leaders should be or would be us so do we need to change our thinking not just to accommodate them but to be able to set up a right type of role model and and if you go back and talk to them who all are they ready to be looking up to phil So, uh, you know, one thing, and this is uh, per- perhaps a slightly different answer than uh, than some folks might have expected. I think uh, the the truth is people like to win, and uh, who do they look up to? We all, uh, including young people, tend to to look up to winners, and so uh, the the first thing in order to get folks uh, to follow you is to show them uh, that you've got a plan for the, the team, in, including uh, them, to win, uh, and then to, to let them know that over time they're seeing uh, we, uh, the business, is seeing progress because of, of their efforts. Um, you know, I, I think uh, leaders have a, a vision uh, that people can relate to uh, and a vision that is challenging uh, so that they, they feel like uh, if they can accomplish this, they will have done something meaningful and they'll have, have contributed to something important. And I, th- I think last of all, uh, well, not, not certainly not last, but I'll, I'll say uh, my, my final point for now would be 
it's, it's very important that folks, uh, you may be demanding, uh, you may be tough, but ultimately you've got to be fair, trustworthy, and at the end of the day, uh, have your teams back when they, they try things and, and perhaps sometimes make mistakes. Terry, what is, what is your take on this? I certainly agree with that. Um, you know, it's, it's great to have, you know, you have to celebrate those wins so that everybody can see that they're providing that value. And I think that that's very important in the organization overall. I think the one thing I'll add to what Phil said, and I think he probably meant this, is to be human. I think a lot of times there's, okay, these are the rules. And we're not going to go around those rules. And it's just like, okay, you know, you know, somebody, somebody had a death in the family or somebody had something go wrong or whatnot. You know, it's important to also be human and be seen being human. Um, and that goes back to the work-life balance. You know, if you're hoping to have a work-life balance for your staff and then you spend 80 hours a week at the office, you know, clearly that's not going to happen. There's not seeing that be successful. Um, but I think your your other question was how do we prepare them to be that next generation of leaders, and uh, certainly, you know they're they're good at IT, they're good at either programming or infrastructure or something, but I think what we really need to make sure that we do is teach them how to run the business. Now they may decide to run it differently when they're a leader. But there's a lot of things about how to get funding, how to react to an emergency situation, how to do the professional communication, talk to the media. I mean, there's, there's all of those pieces of running a business that are not obvious to your standard IT professional. And I think those are the pieces that we need to bring to the table and make sure they understand what those are. Because, you know, if they understand the goals and they understand where they're at, they'll be able to do the gap. They won't need us for that. Phil, one last 30-second pointer that you can give to other leaders who may be in similar shoes as you, and they may be dealing with this newer generation. What would be your advice to them in terms of what to watch out for versus what to do more? Yeah, I would say uh, know the team, know your your business. Um, how do you do that? You do that by engaging uh, deeper into your own team. Uh, when you're brainstorming, when you're planning, uh, don't just work with your direct reports. Reach deeper into the team. It may work for a given company or it may not, but you could consider for some ideas, some projects, crowdsource it among, among the organization. See where the good ideas come from and, and then uh, go with those. And then uh, the exact same sorts of efforts with your your business peers across the organization. Terry, what should the rest of the world watch out for when they are dealing with uh, next generation of talent so that they actually become successful together? I think that, that people really need to be conscious of being flexible, that everybody has a different take on things. It's not, necessar- it's not wrong. It's just different. And there's many ways up the mountain. And to just relax a little bit. On behalf of the show and our listeners, I'd really like to thank you both, Terry and Phil, for sharing your thoughts on how to lead this next generation of talent. It was a pleasure. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much, uh, listeners. Uh, please like us on Facebook, search for CIO Talk Radio. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and sign up for our newsletter. Thank you again for listening to CIO Talk Radio. This is Sanjog All, your talk show host. Uh, and till next week, take care and God bless. 
Thank you for tuning in to CIO Talk Radio. To learn more about the show, please visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Please join Sun Joke All next Wednesday at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 9 a.m. Central Time, and 10 a.m. Eastern Time for another hour of CIO Talk Radio on the Voice America Business Channel. CIO Talk Radio is brought to you by HP and Bosch Software Innovations.